Hello and you're very welcome back to Series 4 of The Public Eye, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. As always, I'm delighted to be your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, if you've been tuning in up until now, you'll know I speak with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So, you know the drill by now, wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Tom Smith, Managing Director of Dream Apartments. Tom, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Now, before we begin, Tom, I'm just going to give a little bit of background on you and your business. So, Dream Apartments, owned and operated by Belfast businessman Tom Smith. He launched the multi-award-winning Dream Luxury Service Departments in 2017, and they have fast become the leading serviced accommodation supplier in the UK. Tom has since announced a corporate rebrand and a six-figure investment programme, with further plans to expand into 10 cities Europe-wide by 2022, creating over 300 jobs across 500 new apartments. Amazing. Tom is also passionate about helping people reinvent themselves and has recently written and released his own book to help everyone struggling under the weight of self-generated fear. This book, which is called Fearless, is a history lesson and a street psychology lecture animated by a personal narrative of fearlessness in the face of extreme circumstances. And I am so lucky to have a signed copy. Tom has just signed a copy for me here. Tom, an incredible success story and it's a pleasure to have you in the podcast studio today. But let's go back in time and um, I know that uh, you have been telling our researchers that you've been working since you were 10 years old. So it's kind of in the veins, but how did it all start? So at the age of 10, uh, I was a young boy growing up. Uh, My friends were all having the best of trainers and track sheets and stuff. And I had a home full of complete love, like my mum and dad. I'm very lucky that they're still alive, but they taught us amazing core values as kids. If we couldn't afford it, we didn't get it. So at the age of 10 years old, there was an opportunity for me to get a job in a local fish and chip shop through my friend's sister, and I jumped at it. At that age, then I started taking control back, whether it was me sitting on a rainy day looking at my money box, knowing that's all mine and I've done that, or it was maybe saving for five or six weeks and buying the the latest tracksuit with a pair of football boots. And I realised by simply applying myself and applying hard work that I was taking control of my own life at the age of 10. Um, And I loved every single minute of it. And even in the heart of winter, out the back of this fish and chip shop was stone cold. And I remember I I would have stood on a hot bucket of water to stay warm because it was that cold. You were breaking the ice in the bath where you put the chips. But that's just the resilience of me as a young man. And it just made me want to work harder, more cleverly and keep going and I wouldn't change a single thing. So you started with that incredible work ethic at, at 10 years old, but where was home then, Belfast? Belfast, yeah. Um, we lived in Glengormley and we had a brilliant life. Um, you know, what we couldn't afford, we went to Tullymore Forest and had these amazing adventures. My mummy and daddy were very playful. We also as kids, you know, they always made a huge effort. Um, and, you know, back then we didn't have mobile phones or computer games no. and stuff, you know, or all this social media stuff. It was just real. 
and our home, like I'd say, it was completely and utterly full of love. Mm-hmm. And of course, we grew up in the troubles, like everybody. Mm-hmm. But my mom was a car worker, my dad was a postman, and they both served the community. And our childhood was just incredible. To be it honest. just shows you, you know, how fortunate and lucky you are if you have that bedrock, that home mm. that is safe and, and full of love, because that's where it all uh, starts and, and ends, really. And I know that you're you're a dad yourself now, and and you feel the same way about your own daughters. Totally, but you know, just a, a little story that you made, like from we were when we were young. I can remember going to the safari park with my mom and dad, and we were like flat ass broke. You know, up on the north coast. Yeah, yeah and we had well. this. We had one of these red tartan rugs uh-huh. that everybody in the world uh-huh. has had. And I remember mummy and daddy saying, "Listen, we're going to pull up here. You and your brother Stephen lie across the back seat and don't move." And they put a rug over us. And the guy says, "How many people is there?" And my mummy and daddy said, "There's two, because we couldn't <laughs> afford to pay for." <laughs> and uh, so then we get through, and like we were laughing, like we'd done the Brinks robbery, you know. But <laughs> and it would split like a fish and chips between us all. And those memories are like priceless. But you know, we couldn't afford four people to go to the safari park. We could only afford two. And but they took risks a little. Yeah, just for our happiness yeah, as exactly. kids. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, but it was just funny. I mean, you remember things and the excitement of it, and I can't move underneath this rug. And but that's the realization of growing up in the seventies. A lot of people were pretty poor, mm-hmm. but you know, like I say, we had a we had a house full of love, and it made such a difference. You know, and my parents are still everything to me. You know. And even it goes before that, if you open your your book, Fearless, the first page um, is dedicated to your grandmother, Lily, a beautiful woman who I believe sadly passed away recently. Yeah, she died at Christmas and um, she was just a pillar of strength. Um, you know, she was she was 95, but, you know, the grip that woman had of her handbag was just <laughs> like a wrestler, you know, but she was full of resilience and power and strength up until her last breath. Um, and I write him a gratitude every day on how much I love her and the memories that I have. So I didn't grieve when my granny died. I just rejoiced in the happiness I had of all her memories. And it was definitely a mindset thing for me. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you like uh, when you were growing up? We've already heard about you know the work ethic, but uh, did you have any interests in school, any hobbies? What, what made you tick? Yeah, I was definitely sport billy. You know, I was always the kid that was running about playing football and doing everything else. Um, I loved long summer nights because um, when I was a kid, the memories that you have, they seemed mm-hmm. to last forever. Um, but I always had this burning desire to succeed. And my mum would have said to me, where did we get you on the movies? Because I would have had different ideas. You know, I would have lay in our front garden and, and actually, you know, dreamed and dreamed big and really? looked at the clouds and thought about what I wanted to do and... I sort of, even from being a kid, um, realised that there could be no limitations on depending on what way your mind went. So, so what were those dreams? Definitely to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a young teenager or young boy, I, I didn't really understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. But I did know that I had something inside me that was quite different. Do you think that money was a driver for you? Because a lot of people, you know, struggle with that. Is it the correct thing to say that you're motivated by money? Yeah, I think now at this stage, money's an amazing byproduct that comes with my success. It's more of the buzz and accomplishing stuff. As a child who had grew up, sorry, grew up in a poor household but full of love, definitely money was something that motivated me because if I had it, I could then change my own circumstances. So uh, you wanted to improve and I suppose give back as well. Why would I not? No, you know, absolutely. I, I can remember walking in with my first proper pay packet at eighteen and handed it to my mum, 
that belonged to her. Is that right? Of course. Yeah. And how long did you stay at home for then? I moved out when I was just turning 20 and bought right. my first house. So and where was that f first pay packet from, apart from the fish and chip shop? You'd moved on from then? Um, a building site that okay. I worked on. Right. Um, and it was proper graft. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it really was. You know. So, I mean, you're not afraid of hard graft either. Uh, you, if you if you even look through your book, you get up at four o'clock in the morning. But, uh, yeah, four o'clock in the morning has been something that I've worked on and got to. Okay. You know, um, I certainly didn't wake up as a person. I've definitely built them. Um, so I've went from, like, a six o'clock guy to 5 30 the realising five o'clock was quite good, and then I understood four o'clock's going to be a game changer here, um, and four o'clock is. So, you know, I get up at four, I've, I've finished having double espressos, I have triples, because it just gives you that extra hit. Yeah. Uh, and at 4.15, I'm completely in the zone. So. And there's a lot of people doing that, that kind of mindset, that kind of reclaim the morning kind of pushing yourself but does it get exhausting I mean you look really fit and healthy and you don't look knackered um, and you know I'm just wondering for others out there who have yet to kind of reclaim the 4am start well yeah I, I have to admit totally like I got up this morning and I felt completely and utterly destroyed but that's part of being a human being but it's having that voice in your head to say get up now and I'm getting up. And what you do know. you what do you do when you get up after you have the coffee? What what's what's the morning so routine? Then, so then it's water in my eyes. I've got my triple espresso, four fifteen, and I'm ready to rock. So it's then mantra time, and then I will write everything that I am as a person. Now, I will write that I am a warrior of Christ because I'm not a guy who goes to church every week, but I believe God has definitely had a major role in my life, especially with my sober addict. Um, I will then write, I'm a man that makes things happen. Everything I touch turns to gold. And I'll write a full one-page document on everything that I am. A dedicated and loving husband. You know, um, a total success and positivity magnet. A total health and fitness magnet. And everything that comes after I am is going to be a positive version of me. But before, by the time I've finished my mantra, my armor's on and I'm ready to rock. Then it's gratitude time. The food in my fridge, the roof above my head, my cars, my suits the birds and the bees, the sunset that I'd just seen the night before. And sometimes people would say to me, like, what are you writing about in your gratitude? And I would say, are you for real? Like, I'm sitting here doing a podcast today, so thank you. It's just, I was in my gratitude this morning. Was it? It is, you could genuinely, once you get into it, you could write pages. Where did this come from? Then it's gold time. So, oh, right. You've, that's a busy morning, yeah. sure. I'm still turning yeah. the, so the, not even mantra, hit the snooze button. Mantra, gratitude, and then gold. And then... An, on my goals, it's, I am so happy and grateful now that, and then I'll write everything in advance of what I'm going to do. And to say that I'm fully committed writing them goals is an understatement. I also play the movie in my head as I write them, and I visualise it, and I then write, it's done, sign it off, and put the date on when it's going to happen. But I'll also take massive action to make them happen. And then, to sound like a bit of a machine, then it's a cardio session in the house, and then... I go and train with my new PT. Oh, my word. At ball before what time? Well, I'm the first person in the office, so all before 8 o'clock, it's done. That's or if I'm flying to England, I'll get up at 2.30, train, do it all, and then just go to go and get my flight. Because people would say, 2.30? And I would say, it's really only a time, but, you know, yeah. what's the scary thing about 2.30? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are all controlled by the clock, aren't we? We're, we're so set in our ways. There were a few things... Um, you touched on there you've built this person you've come to be this person were there dark times before that led you to this new way of living of course yeah mm. um 
like anybody in life, I have to be honest, I've been through huge adversity. Um, I haven't always had the most incredible life. I've had to work for it. Um, my sobriety was definitely something that majorly affected me. And I woke up one day and decided this is enough for me. You know, I didn't want to have a drink anymore. I didn't want to feel bad or have to tell a lie that they make an excuse for something. So I took control back. And had drink become a big problem or was it just no, socialising? Definitely not a big problem, but feeling bad just wasn't for me anymore. Okay. And I wasn't a guy that drank every day, but I definitely was a guy that had a drink on a Friday and sometimes wanted to drink for a couple of days. Um, am I proud of it? Definitely not. Um, I, am I proud of how I dealt with it? Yeah, big time. Um, I went to AA for two years. Oh. I feel blessed. What I got from AA was life-changing. I was one of the lucky people going to AA that I still had everything. The people who love me, my businesses, my family. Because um, a lot of people were only going just to get support from the group. I was going, I was the luckiest guy on the planet because I had it all. And I let the group work for me. I also give back. But then I was able to detach from it and keep moving on. Because as a person, I keep raising my standards and evolving every day. And... Now my sobriety is handing over to God every day and saying thank you for it. Um, and how long have you been sober now? Six years this July. Wow. Now, I have to say, like anybody, I've had my falls. Yeah. So, you know, it hasn't been No, I was going to say, do you, miss it? do you miss it? Because drink is such a massive part of our culture. Yeah, do I miss it? No, it's probably my strength. Now, if I was meeting you and we were doing a podcast and somebody said, would you like a glass of champagne? No, thanks, I don't drink. And you'd be like, you don't drink? It'll be one of the strengths that I tell you from the first thing I meet, first time I meet you. Um, and I'm putting the foundation down from day one. Um, and do I miss it? Very, very rarely it would come across my mind. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm a human being too, so yeah. it always will flash up. So there's so much there personally, but you know, you've you've turned your life around. Um, you've got an incredible business. Let's just talk a little bit about that. So, chip shop, builder. Dream Apartments. Mm. Tell me where that started. I was very lucky um, to live back and forth in Dubai um, quite a while ago now. When I lived there, believe it or not, it was called um, the Seven Towers. And in the marina, there was only Seven Towers. There was nothing else between Sheikhsai Road and the Burj Al Arab. There was nothing. It was just desert. Um, and we lived in the Grosvenor House Hotel. And, and to put it in reflection, we were getting 7.4 to 7.6 dirhams to the pound. So it's nearly double what people are getting nowadays. So we lived in a, a beautiful five, six star hotel, but half of the hotel was service departments. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. So I was just loving this lifestyle, home-to-home -home living in gorgeous, top-of-the-range apartments. And what were you doing over there? Buying and selling land, doing acquisitions, and I did very well for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came back, um, 
and nobody knew me in Northern Ireland now, or nobody knew me in the UK because when you're away back and forth and your focus isn't on what's going on in your own community or your own city, people then, by the way, said you just become a memory. Um, so when I come back, I come back with the idea that I want to open a service department business. Um, and the bit that people don't really realise is I took a year, a complete solid year of people telling me no. Now, yeah. I don't really know many people that accept that for a year, but I could definitely accept it. And I just kept going and going. Doors being closed in my face, thousands of calls not being answered or returned, emails just being blanked. And I was really lucky that a company called Marathon from New York bought the Opal building in Belfast. Savills in Belfast were incredible. And uh, they'd said to me, Marathon are happy with your deal, but they've said no. And I'm like, really? Because I knew my yes was coming. He says, yeah, they've said no to your five-year deal, but they're going to give you three. And I'm like, yes, Amen. this is the start. This is the start. And then once that started, I walked the streets of the UK for a good six to 12 months. And people didn't know you. It was doors closed in your face. But it boots on the ground really work. Mm -hmm. And then slowly but surely you start wearing people down. They're like, this guy's a pain in the ass. <laughs> We're going to have to give him something. And I found an incredible company in Newcastle who I'm still working with called Lugano. And they says, look, we don't know you. We're going to give you six apartments. It's a bit full building. And if you do well, we're going to purposely build a gorgeous building in the Quayside. But you have to prove yourself. I did prove myself. And now we've got three buildings with this company. And then it just went from strength to Chinese hedge fund. To, it's just, and now it's a roller coaster of us on the up. And we're the people saying yes and no to things. That's so. incredible, Tom. Uh, uh, talk me through the cities you're in now then. Belfast, Liverpool, Newcastle, Manchester, Middlesbrough. We opened in Dundee on the 1st, and I suppose you have a question where Dream Apartments is going next. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll answer that when you ask me. <laughs> so where is Dream Apartments going next? So we're definitely, you know, I want to scale stuff up that's something that's life-changing. So we're definitely going to open in America next. America, yeah, the America, US market. America's next, yeah. So th with the service departments thing, I mean, you came back here and you... You were told no, 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 and you you pushed on for a whole year, but Belfast was going through a real revival at that time, and mm. and people wanted a little more than just checking into that hotel. They wanted that freedom that I suppose a service department gives you a little bit more space to kick back, and um, you were kind of there, right place at the right time. But you knew this was going to work. Yeah, because I was living proof of it. Because I'd lived and yeah. enjoyed this experience in Dubai. Uh -huh. Dubai was ahead of the game uh -huh. by late years, and. Our city needed it. There was people doing it in our city, but they were treading water. Northern Ireland Tourist Board had said to me, people are shaking in their boots realising that you're coming to do this, which didn't, you know, I wanted to swim up the lock and take over, and that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, um, totally I certainly did. wasn't treading water for anybody. So for anybody who hasn't visited one of the dream apartments, what do you get when you when you arrive there and check in? Well, you get just the, the full hotel, uh, you know, check-in. Got, we've got our own housekeepers, maintenance team, receptionists. We've got 24-hour support. You know, we're not like an Airbnb where people are meeting you in the street with a set of keys. We're a proper established company. 75% um, of our business in a normal market is corporate, 25% leisure. Um, we look after some of the biggest blue-chip companies and production companies in the world. Um, and I signed an incredible deal on the 23rd of December in Manchester, in the height of a grade five lockdown, yeah. with a huge global TV production company. So when we were opening in Manchester, I was opening up with confidence. My wife even says to me, you're opening on the 4th of January, a grade five lockdown. How are you gonna do this? This year you this opened, year. oh my goodness. And we went from 63 on the 4th of January 
to two weeks ago, we're sitting at 120 already. And on Saturday there, we'll be completely fully booked, all, 20 all 120 apartments. So during, <laughs> it's just a, such a success story, but people did, people still were moving around, people were working and they needed these apartments. Do you find that's, it's not, is it all kinds of different people or is it really that well, corporate, corporate well, market? Well, yeah, and that's a great question. We lost about £2 million in sales within the first 10 days across Ooh. all cities. Was it scary? Absolutely. Oh my really word. frightening. But fear will either control you or you will control it. And we decided nothing's controlling us here. We were very lucky to be a business that was allowed to be open. So then we went from doing a thousand sales calls a week to five thousand a week. And we a lot of time we were getting empty dead phones. But then we started realizing essential industries that were had to work still needed accommodation. Yeah. So we went after that. Um, we were looking after key workers. Um, some key workers in different cities had to find out their, their stories and they weren't being supported by government. And I wasn't running about looking good news stories, but I give people, especially nurses, free accommodation. Wow. And, and sometimes in the height of fear, generosity has to kick in and yeah. kindness to look after other people. Um, but we, we went after all essential industries and then Dream Apartments not only started being able to keep paying its bills, but we ended up expanding through a global pandemic. We started employing more people. We turned up our marketing. We wanted people like yourselves, who maybe were one of our corporate or leisure guests, just to see one of our posts to say, we're in this together. This is only temporary. And I looked at some of the huge companies across the globe who weren't putting out messages of positivity. And we were, because just sometimes, if you just touch one person's heart, it might have been that day where COVID was breaking them. And just our message would have been the one that maybe saved them. So we sent that message throughout our staff, through all our customers, and then we started then surviving and thriving during the global pandemic. So actually, it's very interesting because I was doing an interview with Mary Portis um, quite recently and she's um, brought out a, a, a new book all about the kindness economy, that that's actually what we need going forward. It's like people and the planet and it's about having a heart. Mm -hmm. Some people might just look at what you've created and think that's all just about money. That is a massive machine. But here we're, we're seeing that absolutely the compassion is there and you're thinking about people all the time. Well, yeah, and one of the things that I that I did quite recently was, you know, as this was going on and it was actually starting to affect people, um, I'm very lucky to have a, a PR guy in Liverpool who's a very good friend of mine, Paul Knowles, and I said to him, Paul, listen, we want to do something different. I'm very lucky to be mindset coach for Molly McCann Pearson from UFC. Um, she's incredible, and I can honestly call her one of my best friends. I love her like she's my daughter. And I said to Molly, right, this is what's going on. We're going to do something different here and shake it up. She said, what do you want to do? I said, we're going to do something for Cash for Kids Liverpool, Mental Health Manchester and Children's Cancer Belfast. Mm -hmm. And we ran um, Radio City Tower in Liverpool 16 times. It was the equivalent of half Mount Everest. Ugh. Three hours, 40 minutes non-stop. No we had to have way. paramedics on site and all that. But we raised over 10,000 quid That's in incredible. the middle of the, the lockdown. But it was just a more or less say, charity doesn't need to stop here. No. So, and it was a good bit of publicity for the charities and it sort of raised our game too to think, you know, adversity, let's have it. And I think everybody has learned an awful lot about themselves during this pandemic. And, and we've seen about how those less fortunate have really struggled. I mean, it has been a, a pandemic that has affected different countries in different ways and the difference between the haves and the have not. So that's great to hear something like that, that this is ongoing and people want to give back and they want to help. 
Yeah, I think, but all of us need, and I realise that we should have love and compassion in our hearts. Um, the falseness that comes with social media and stuff, you know, help your neighbour or your friend or, or the loved one that needs it, you know, what does it cost you? Zero, like, it really does, it costs nothing. I mean, social media pros and cons you're very active on social media and it's become a fabulous tool for you to perhaps reach people to let people see who the man is behind dream apartments and it's a lot about mindset as well for mm. you mindset is everything talk us through totally. where how you got into that in the first place i know you've talked about the aa and all of that journey but you're a mindset coach now yeah, I've built that, but like I said at the start, you know, I certainly didn't wake up this epic, strong individual. I have went through pain, hurt, adversity, double that again, I've went through that. Um, but then I started deciding, I can, I'm in control of this. Um, if you and me were talking right now, if I was overthinking, I'm in control of that too. You know, it's a simple matter sometimes of realising, if I slip my hand in my pocket, and take out the pin, the imaginary one, and burst the bubble in my head. It's usually a load of nonsense, and you don't. If you don't feed it, it's not going to happen. Um, mindset for me is absolutely everything. You know, what I put my energy into keeps evolving, including myself. Um, but then there's days that I'll do my mantra, my goals, gratitude. I still haven't hit the button, so I have now decided I will look for my trigger. And the other day, I come under attack. It was self-doubt, anxiety. I could feel the anxiety. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is quite heavy. Now, this is at 4 a.m. So I, I, I did my whole script like I normally do. Went down, smashed cardio in my gym. Still hadn't got it. So then I went to the next stage, looked at photographs of my wife and kids, because sometimes that's my trigger. Oh my goodness, how lucky am I? Mm -hmm. Still wasn't it. And then, I'm not embarrassed to say it, but I put on like um, a song by Pitbull. And it just put the biggest smile on my face. And I'm Music. like, and there it is. And it's a choice whether you're going to have a bad day yeah. or a good day. And now I'll just go through a system. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get it from a wake up. You're like, you'll see the sun coming up or the birds and, and the bees. There. And you're like, I'm there. Mm. But then it's about digging deep and finding your trigger that's going to bring you back up. Positivity and negativity can't live in the same frequency. And I just found my frequency and got myself back up. And when I went into work at nine o'clock, nobody had knew I'd been through a journey to get onto that frequency no. and smashed that day to pieces and had the most amazing day. So everything is a choice, really. And it's about working and talking to yourself. And I sometimes say about, uh, you know, when you start feeling you're going down that rabbit hole of anxiety, because I would get anxiety as well. And, and self-doubt, that is the biggest thing. And that's why you've written this book. But I sometimes say, if all else doesn't fail, it's like, imagine you're in a comedy and not a tragedy, because then you can step back and, and start to laugh at yourself and go, come on, this is this is ridiculous. But when you get to where you've got, you feel like you've more to lose, do you? And then the further, I've heard that people, the further up the chain they go, the more they feel they have to prove themselves to keep going and they're scared of losing it. Yeah, not at all for me, to be honest. I feel that I'm only touching the, you know, the tip of what I'm doing here, you know, I would bump into people quite often that say to me, Tom, you're smashing it. And I would go like, really? I definitely don't live in that world. I'm a very grounded, humble yeah. person. Mm -hmm. um, and if I was scared of something, I'll make myself strong at it, so I'm not scared of it. Um, when, you know, did you, when did you write this? It was wrote on the 27th of March, 2020, and I published it in January. 
You wrote it in one day? No, 27th of March, <laughs> 2020. It started right now. Oh, and you finished yeah, sorry. it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, no, you no, really definitely. did smash it that day. <laughs> no, it took, me, it took me just under a year to write it. Yeah, did it? Yeah. Okay. And how did you start? Because I, you know, they always say everybody has a book in them. Was this always in you or why yeah. did this happen? People have always said to me, your advice is quite golden. And I decided that there was going to be the biggest thing from the Second World War. It was about to unfold. And I wanted to do something that I'd always be remembered by. And I wrote that book on the basis, if it helped one person, my job was done. <laughs> and since then, it's just been insane. You know, somebody would beep the horn at me in the street and shout, Tom Smith, fear less. I became friends with a Hollywood A-lister. Wow. Who's read the book. Um, a Canadian Olympian who was in a bad car accident, who had said it's give her the will to want to work and live again. Um, and it's just been, I feel so blessed that I've put just my little old brain into that book and said to people, why don't try this? And and everybody's jumping on it and loving it. Um, so I feel, feel totally blessed that I've helped other people with it. It is brilliant. This be that fearless warrior, be a giant disruptor. Why not? <laughs> what have you got to lose? But why not? Why would you not want to be the best? Or why would you not question somebody's invoice? Or why would you not say, listen, I'm just not happy with that anymore. And on that basis, things need to change. And that quote from Henry Ford, one of the greatest discoveries a person makes, one of their great surprises is to find they can do what they were afraid they couldn't do. That's the fear that holds us back. I just got back. goosebumps there, of course, oh. every single time. But Yeah. Um, I'm sure loads of people are tuning into this and, and, and fascinated and, you know, want a little bit of, of what you, you've got. What's the best bit of advice that you've ever received? Because you've had a lot of nice airs as well. Yeah, totally believe. You have to believe in yourself. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody will. Um, definitely being consistent and persistent is, is game-changing stuff. You know, it's like even this morning, I could have listened to my brain saying, you really deserve another 30 minutes in bed. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. Get up. <laughs> um, you know, I am very hard on myself. Um, I certainly don't give myself an easy script. No. Um, and it's being relentless every single day and really believing in, in, in what you're fighting for or living for. Um, life is definitely a fight, and I don't mean a physical one. Um, you have to go through your self-talk, fix it on a daily basis. Um, the best bit of advice, I suppose I give it to myself, just yeah, to never give up. I was going to say up. you listen to yourself. Yeah, because yeah, it, if I don't listen to my and own trust voice, your judgment. My gut feeling rules my life. Do you ever take a holiday? Do you have... You know, do you ever give yourself a break? Do you ever allow yourself the extra 30 minutes in bed? Yeah, at the weekend, I would definitely do a 12 or 13 hour sleep. So, you know, I'll yeah. have to admit that 100%. I was going to say, you have to unplug, otherwise you burn out. Well, yeah, or I'll end up divorced too, because my wife will throw me out of yeah. <laughs> Um Yeah, so I have to give quality time. And, you know, I haven't got that balance right sometimes. Okay. But my wife, Dolores, isn't too long telling me. <laughs> um, but it keeps me on point. Um, have I had a holiday? Yeah, I've definitely ruined a couple of holidays by being on the phone um, and now I'm at a point where I won't do it again I have an amazing girl who works for me who was my PA she's now my chief operating officer and I have such a great team around me where the next holiday I will have will be an enjoyable one the one I had last year during lockdown um, when you were allowed to go to Greece I had one in Santorini which was incredible it's probably the first holiday that I have actually switched off ever yeah, and that was an achievement in itself because yeah, it was, I'm yeah. sure, I, I know my late father w loved work and was a workaholic and he found it really difficult to take a holiday and that was where the problem lay. 
Of course. And yeah. it's so important to... What did you learn about yourself in Santorini that you needed to do this more? Yes, definitely. And I believe the old version of me is the guy that thinks you don't need time off. The new version of me that will keep evolving is the guy that needs time off and will learn and grow more. And I've had that chat with myself that I deserve it. Um, Absolutely. And I'll definitely be making sure that I have more of them. Um, you've talked about going to the US. That's that's next for the dream team. Um, do you ever get to the point where you think you'll be saying, right, that's enough. I'm going to step back and I'll hand this on. I had a chance. No. Sorry. <laughs> no. I the knew the answer to that before I even asked You know, it's, it's something that just lives inside me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not contentment or I haven't got enough or anything like that. When you wake up every day with a burning desire to succeed, I can't put them flames out, neither do I want to. No. So, you know, so I would be very unhappy with that. You're at the heart of everything. Where did the name come from? Dream. Mm. Um, I sort of just batted about with stuff. And then once I've seen it, a friend of mine, Paddy Mooney, says to me, Tom, once you get behind a name and you believe in it, that's it. And I did. And I just come up with Dream Apartments. And I completely fell in love with it. Yeah. And within like 48 hours, I had a website designed and... I took massive action and the company just started evolving overnight and it just keeps going and going and going. And like I say on LinkedIn, our expansion continues and it, it really does. What do your parents think of your success? Yeah, my mum and dad are so proud of me. Yeah. Um, but again, I just take it all with a pinch of salt. A pinch of salt, sorry. You know, I just, I really don't feel that I've scratched the surface yet on where I'm taking this. And you've two daughters as well. How important are they to you? They're my world. You know, Farah and Rihanna, they are absolutely everything to me. Like. Will they come into the business? Is Rihanna, Rihanna? Is it, Rihanna's in the business. Uh -huh. and she is as sharp as a tack. She's right? definitely got brains to give away. And Farah is quite ruthless at 14. She's definitely <laughs> a CEO in the making, you know. And does that excite you, that you've got that perhaps to hand on? Oh, except you'll be there all the time. Of course. Until um, you drop. Totally. And Rihanna's just finished her degree. You know, Farah will certainly be getting into higher education too. Um... But whatever I'll be doing at that stage, I would be blessed if they were involved in it. Um, but they are really hard-working, good kids with brilliant attitudes. So they'll be a brilliant reflection of me. Um, yeah. I'd be privileged to have them working for me. Well, you're a great role model in showing them that if you set your mind to something, you can, in fact, achieve it. And before we uh, pressed record on the podcast today, you were telling me that you were going to be speaking in Miami. Well, yeah. It's one of my goals, right. you see. So um, as far as I'm concerned, it's going to happen. Uh -huh. So I Public speaking is such a big fear for people. Yeah, well, if I'm scared of something, I'm going to make myself good at it. Mm -hmm. So you have to overcome. I have to be and make sure that I actually fear less, just like my book. So i done a public speaking event recently in Liverpool, uh, which was great, and I was so proud of doing it. And now that I've popped that one, I'm just going to keep doing them. I see one of my goals as I'm going to be a paid public speaker at the Miami Growth Conference with Grant Cardone, who is definitely my mentor. Um, Tell me about Grant Cardone for anyone who doesn't know who he is. So Grant Cardone's an American billionaire, fantastic author, global entrepreneur, and he also has a fantastic sales training business. My company's actually enrolled in it. Uh, I think it's 20, well, no, I don't think, I believe it's 27 weeks this Friday. I was walking into the house, come home on a Friday. My wife wasn't there to greet me, which is quite strange. She was downstairs doing a yoga qualification, oh. which was great. And I looked at my phone and went, Miami, Florida? Wow, let's have this call. So I took the call 
And Grant Cardone's office had called me and said, is this Tom Smith? And I went, yeah, of course, he's this. And they said, it's Grant Cardone's office here in Miami. Uh, Mr. Cardone would like you to be one of his licensees to look after Ireland, UK and Europe. The thing is, I'd wrote this goal for a year. Oh my goodness. So my head, <laughs> my head exploded over the living room wall. So then me being me, I says to the guy, great, this is great. Why is Grant not on the phone? Yeah. And he says to me, okay, listen, he wanted to be, but if you go on the Instagram, you'll see he's on set with Robert De Niro making a film. That's and not like, good enough. That wasn't a good enough excuse, I don't think at all, Tom. I'd been but disgusted. I, lo I looked on Instagram and he was standing there with Robert De Niro and I'm like, holy wow. Yeah. And then two days later, he sent me a video saying, Tom, really looking forward to partnering up with you. And I just went, this is just incredible. However, for a full year, I had wrote that goal that I would be having breakfast, just like talking to you. Grant's in front of me. Elena's here. The sweat's running down my back. I've just finished a gym session with him. And I have I've lived this moment a million times. I'm talking to him, agreeing, yeah, thanks very much. And then t looking at Elena, speaking to her. And I'm eating Greek yogurt and I can taste the blueberries in my mouth. The terracotta floor tiles in my army, I can feel the heat. Oh. I can smell it. And I'm there every single time. And now, over the next few weeks, when Joe Biden lets me in the America, I'm going to go and live this because it's all now became a reality. Oh, so I have word. dreamt that, believed it, visualized it, played the movie when I wrote my goal. And that's, that's happened. Well, there's a lesson to everybody, folks. You know, write down those goals and one day you could be living it, breathing it, feeling it, just like Tom Smith. Tom, the final question I ask everybody, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business, a business, by offering insight into the success of, your, of companies such as Dream Apartments, which you've absolutely done today. You've kind of touched it on, on it already, but what advice would you give to anyone who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether or not the risk is worth taking? you got to live the life your wildest dreams. you got to have to go at this business like your life depends on it. Write the goal. Come up with a plan. Don't look at that plan for the next 10 years. Take massive action and make it happen. If failing is the worst thing that could happen, you'll learn from your failures and then you'll maybe open the second business better. You cannot think about something and say to yourself, what if, you know, life is so much for living and the adversity that you're going to go through, let me tell you, when you go through it, the huge levels of success and prosperity that live on the other side is so worth it. You know, sometimes I believe I'm in the storm the storm can't handle me, I just keep going through it. And that sometimes is business. Look what people have went through during COVID. Good times are back. We have to follow government guidelines, but prosperity and a massive boom of it's coming for the next five years. If you have a business idea, make it happen and enjoy the, the benefits of it. Tom Smith, your story is incredible. I wish you continued success and uh, good luck in the US. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners 
wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.